chapter 4 and verse 6, Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel thou shalt become a plain? He shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace unto it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also finish it. Everyone say 16 years. It was 16 years from the time that Zerubbabel had laid the foundation until the word of the Lord is now coming again. That's a long time. When you read the Bible, you've got to understand that a colon, a semicolon, a period can mean years. Sometimes we like to read it as if it's instant. Anybody have any, any gaps in your life, your time frame that people don't know about? That's what was happening here. His hands shall finish it, and thou shalt know that the Lord of hosts hath sent me unto you. For who hath despised the day of small things? For they shall rejoice and shall see the plummet in the hand of Zerubbabel with those seven. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro through the whole earth. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the word. key verse that I would like to focus in on here today is verse 7. Who are you, O great mountain? Who are you standing before Zerubbabel? I love this because this is spoken from the, the angel of the Lord from the mouth of God saying, you will become a plain, an even place. Right now, it's a mountain. Right now, it seems insurmountable. It seems very large, and it's dominating his sight line. But he said to him, this thing's going to become a plain or an even place, and Zerubbabel shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, crying, Grace, grace to it. So the angel told Zerubbabel, I know you've only laid the foundation of what God's plan is for your life, and there's a mountain between you and the finished product. But Zerubbabel, I want you to pick up the headstone with shoutings, crying, grace, grace to it. Right now it is a foundation, but today I'm giving you a word that declares that I am going to use your same hands to set the headstone. Because it's not going to be by your might or your power, Zerubbabel, but by my spirit or my grace, saith the Lord. He asked an interesting question, an intriguing question, amen, because the answer is irrelevant. When God asks a question, many times the answer is irrelevant. He's just asking to give you insight. So he asked this question, Amen. Who art thou, O great mountain? It doesn't really matter what the mountain is. It doesn't matter what it represents because God is asking the question. 
He said, you are opposing Zerubbabel, but I am the one that has come to flatten you out. I've come to make a way for Zerubbabel. He's going to pick up the headstone because the same hands that laid the foundation will set the headstone. And who has despised the day of small things? Amen. Don't write off what's been done so far. Don't think it's insignificant what's been done so far. It may seem small, but it is significant. I want to tell somebody today in the Holy Ghost, don't write off small things. Don't write off incomplete things. Don't write off things that are not yet finished because, amen, God says, I am the one that's going to bring the finished product to you. All of us face difficulties and challenges and mountains and, and things that oppose, amen, the advancement in the kingdom. But God gave Zerubbabel a formula, if you will, a formula to overcoming mountains. And he wants, uh, amen, it to get deep into our spirit today that God has a plan. I said God has a plan for you. The Bible mentions grace 125 times. Uh, amen. 16 of the 21 epistles or the letters in the New Testament begin with the words, uh, grace be unto you. I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to read that because I need the grace of God. I need the grace of God in my life and in my situations. And the Word of God is filled with grace. And these are more than Hallmark greeting cards written out by Jesus. This is the Word of God that is saying to you, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how uh, raw it looks, how small it looks. Uh, amen. Grace be to you. Amen. The grace of God is going to be the thing that uh, does the work. Ephesians mentions the riches of his grace and the glory of his grace. And uh, we, we start to understand that grace is not just some little add-on, but it is a core element to our walk with God. There are four types of grace mentioned in the Bible. We need to understand each one of them. The Bible says in Genesis 6 and 19, Six, uh, chapter 6 and chapter 19 that Noah and Lot found grace. They found grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's so incredibly true. And we all need grace in order to be saved. If you're in this house today and you need salvation, God's grace has made salvation available. God has looked on all of us and said, you can't be saved without me. You can't be saved without my provision. So I'm going to extend my grace to you. I'm going to enable you to be saved. I'm going to draw your heart to repentance. The Bible says that we don't just repent on our own, but we're drawn, amen, by the love of God and the grace of God. It leads us to repentance. I'm so thankful for a grace that brings salvation, praise God. Amen. This saving grace is mentioned in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. It is the gift of God. Everyone say gift of God. It's the gift of God. The grace of God is the gifting of God. Amen. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Uh, you don't get good to get God. We all know that. Uh, you get God to get good. 
You have to get God to get saved. Amen. We don't even earn or deserve it. It's grace. Praise God. We are here by grace. You're the product of grace. Uh, he's taken you out of sin and brought you into marvelous light. If you're in sin, he can bring you out. I don't care how deep the pit is. I don't care how deep the stains go. There is a grace that can bring you to salvation uh, because it's not based on how good you are. It's not based on what you can produce. Uh, it's based on the grace of of God. His grace leads us to salvation. By grace are you saved. It's the wide open arms of Calvary as far as the east is from the west, grace. So far has he removed our sins from us. Will you just think about that for a minute? Where do east and west meet? They never do. That's how far your sins have been taken away from you. How? By the grace of God. By the grace of God, he comes down and he says, that thing that used to haunt you, that thing that you thought you couldn't get away from, it's going the opposite direction of you. I put your feet on a path going the other way, and that thing can never touch you again because I've given you my grace. My grace stands as a barrier. Thank God for saving grace. The second type of grace is justifying grace. Romans 3, 23 and 24. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Amen. We are justified by the redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. And without grace, justification would not be free. Justification is free because of grace. Grace. Good way to remember grace and what it does is grace gave us access to Christ's blood, which cleanses us to the point that when he is finished with us and his grace is finished with us, it's just if I'd never sinned. Justified, never sin. You're justified by God. In other words, uh, amen, you look at people, that's why you can't be deceived when you look around at people now, amen, from what they used to be because God takes us and by his grace, uh, he takes us at the point of our low point and he keeps working with us and working with us and working with us in just a few months and years. Uh, you look at that same person that was all broken and messed up and, and addicted or whatever their life represents and they're over here and they look like a completely different person. Why? Because the grace of God stepped in and said, I'm going to make it just like you never used to live that life, like you were never in that situation. Just keep staying on my wheel. Let me keep working with you. Let my grace keep working with you. you turn around one day and it's just as if you'd never been in that world. Do I have any witnesses? And I know a few of you stood up and clapped, but when we stop, and that's why when we sing, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me, something cries out, hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Anybody's kids not living the life you grew up in? Why? Because grace broke the chains and broke the curse and removed the reach Hallelujah. That's why you show up a couple Thanksgivings later and the family can barely recognize you. You're not, 
You're not speaking the same. You're not acting the same. You're not. That's, that's the justification of grace. That's, that's grace that stepped in. and It's making you a new creature. Old things are passing away. Oh, behold, all things are becoming new. Amen. God is in the saving business. The third type of grace is, is a grace that some of us don't understand yet. And that's teaching grace. Hello? Teaching grace. Many people don't allow this grace to operate freely, but it's as important as the other three. Many people today want a winking grace, a grace card. Come to church and we apply for the grace card. That means God's going to give me a grace card and I can just keep on living the same way I've always lived and try to slide the grace card in and say it's covered by grace. But there's a teaching grace. I don't find a winking grace, but I do find a, a teaching grace. Titus chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God that bringeth salvation, and by the way, these words grace are translated different because they are applied different. This grace of God brings salvation. That grace hath appeared to all men. That, that's a, a grace that we were just talking about. But this grace then begins to teach us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. So grace isn't just that he extends salvation, amen, that he, he, he takes us and he starts making us over, but he begins to teach us. That grace begins to teach us that this thing didn't come to you freely. It cost him everything. And because it cost him everything, then I've got a responsibility that grace isn't just uh, free as in the fact that I don't have a responsibility, amen, to respond to grace properly. But I need to respond to grace with a teachable spirit. Grace will not only bring us to salvation, it will teach us how to stay saved. Teaching grace is a relationship-based, not an experience-based grace. Come to salvation, that's an experience grace. You didn't earn it, you just are the recipient. But this other grace is relational. Amen. Teaches us to deny ungodliness, deny worldly lust. Grace is not permission to sin, but instruction to avoid it. Say that again. Grace is not permission to sin. It is instruction to avoid it. 
He teaches us that we must deny ungodliness and deny worldly lust, grace. Amen. Some say I'm under grace. I can live how I want, do what I please. Amen. Commit immorality, do whatever I want, and just slide the grace card. But under grace, grace teaches you to live a dedicated and holy life. Grace doesn't push us towards sin. It pulls us away from sin. Teaching grace will make you move like Jesus. Uh, amen. It will cause you to think like Jesus. Uh, amen. If what you have isn't doing that, it's just religion. Amen. It's just a form of godliness with no power. But grace will lead us to his likeness. Amen. Praise God. I thank God for a grace that's leading me to his likeness. Amen. I, I'm not good. If you look at me, you're going to see all kind of flaws. You're going to see all kind of things that are not, uh, amen, measuring up. But thank God grace is still working. Thank God grace is still teaching. Thank God grace is still instructing us. Finally, this fourth type of grace mentioned in our reading is the enabling grace of God. The enabling grace of God. This, this grace is powerful. And this is the grace that the Lord wants us to consider today. Enabling grace is grace that is greater than any mountain you'll face. Enabling grace is the grace that Paul experienced when he asked the Lord to remove that thorn in his flesh. The Bible says that he asked three times that that thorn be removed, that situation. And we don't know what it is. It doesn't say, but some have thought it might be his eyesight or some sort of thing that uh, because he had persecuted the Jews, he had this uh, stigma or whatever. I personally don't believe that because I believe that grace and the blood of Jesus takes that thing away. But God chose to leave something in his body to uh, buffet him, the Bible says, as a messenger of Satan, amen, to buffet him or to bring him into subjection because he had great revelation that the Lord said would puff you up, Paul, if I left you to yourself. And so enabling grace came, and when Paul prayed and he said, Lord, take this thing from me, and he said in so many words, I, I'm not going to, I'm going to leave it there. But he said this, my grace is sufficient for you. He wasn't talking about salvation. Paul was already saved. Paul was already writing parts of the Bible. He was uh, being inspired by God to write of the, uh, the grace, the justification of grace. And all of this stuff we're reading today was from the pen of Paul. Amen. And the writings that he was given through the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But this grace, amen, this enabling grace is a grace that is greater than any mountain that he was going to face. And amen, when he, when he prayed and said, Lord, take this thing from me, the 
Lord's response was, Paul, you don't know this yet, but I've got a grace that's going to come and minister to your situation, that mountain that is so big to you that today you think, I just got to get rid of this thing. God says, watch what I do with my grace. I'm going to give you the strength to every day overcome your mountain, to every day overcome your shortcoming, to every day overcome the thing that's troubling you. My grace is greater than that because my grace is enabling grace. No, I'm not going to do it, Paul. You're going to understand a side of me that's going to give you a powerful revelation. My grace is sufficient for you. Then he said this, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Enabling grace shines when your strength fails. When your ability to work it out doesn't cut it. When your ingenuity and thinking and plotting and planning and figuring makes the situation worse sometimes. God says, you just step up into me and let my grace give you the strength. Watch my grace come into display in your life because I am going to give you the strength that you need through my grace to overcome your trouble. So he didn't remove Paul's mountain. He just covered it up with his grace and allowed Paul to overcome and defeat his issue. Paul would have been in trouble if he would have just had saving grace. Paul would have been in trouble if he would have just had enabling grace. Or excuse me, uh, justification grace. But he had enabling grace. God is not our genie in a bottle. Hello? He's not your microwave oven. I mean, the people that have invented these things are genius. How many like your air fryer? Because you can cook things much faster. And we want to just slide our situation into the air fryer. Hear a couple clicks on the timer and hear ding. Just like I ordered. And God said, no, this is going to be crock pot. Yeah, I'm going to let you simmer in my grace for a while. It's not that he's sick and trying to cause you more pain. He's trying to reveal something to us. You see, God is not concerned with creating the circumstance we want. But he's working in our circumstances to create the us he wants. Hello. 
Oh, God, change my circumstances. Make everything good. Make everything go away. And God said, no, I'm letting you simmer in my grace so I can get you to turn out the way I want you to turn out. I can get your situation turned, but I need to get you changed first. I need you to become tender. Praise God. Hebrews 4.16, he said, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Amplified says, Just when we need it. Yeah. There's a grace that helps us overcome real issues, challenges and problems causes us to be able to defeat giants and mountains that we would otherwise not have the ability to defeat. It's enabling grace. This is the grace that came to Zerubbabel in chapter 4, verse 7. Enabling grace. The city and nation had been leveled. Zerubbabel said, we're going to rebuild the temple walls. That's what he said. We're going to rebuild the temple walls. And I like the fact that he didn't start with his own dreams. Zerubbabel said, there's something going on in this place that needs fixed and addressed. And that's the condition of the Lord's house. We're going to rebuild. And we're going to put God's kingdom first. His dreams. His plans. He said, we're going to start with the temple, God's house, God's kingdom, God's purpose. And he laid the foundation when he did. The Bible says that a mountain rose up before him spiritually, a spiritual mountain, an opposition. You know, isn't it amazing when you start to declare and decree and to begin to say, this is what I'm going to do for the Lord. This is what I'm going to. This is the pursuit. And it's a godly pursuit. Well, guess what? Don't be shocked when you're going to be opposed. Don't get all bent sideways because, you know, I, I just thought the Lord would just come in and step in for me because I am doing a good work. We're trying to do a good thing. No, something rose up, a mountain. It's called a mountain. An opposition will always come to those who are doing anything worthwhile for God. I said, opposition will come to you if you're trying to do anything good for God. I'm not saying that to scare us, but it's just the facts. You've picked a fight. You've declared war when you declare that I'm advancing the kingdom. I'm going to uh, do a good work. And I, I've used this before during our fasting times. But, you know, you can go six months to a year and no one ever bring anything good into the office. You go ahead and declare fast and watch the devil show up with a big box of donuts. You say, that's silly. That's not spiritual opposition. It's not. You're trying to fast. You're trying to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to crucify flesh. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek the mind of God. I'm going to let my spirit man dominate today. 
And then here comes some little thing. That's a small thing compared to what I'm trying to talk about. But the enemy is always trying to put things in your way to cause your spiritual progress to be, amen, halted. But today, amen, I've got news for him. He is no match for the grace of God because God's grace is going to come and say to that mountain, who are you, old mountain? What are you talking about, opposition? Amen. This person is on a mission and they can't can't be stopped. I'm talking to somebody in the Holy Ghost today. Amen. Don't let the opposition get your mind off of what God is doing in your life. Yeah. Mountains, they always show up. Hindrances. Trying to thwart the progress. When the mountains rose up. They started talking to it. You know, somebody needs to talk to your mountain. Whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed. There's precedent in scripture for speaking to mountains, speaking to situations in opposition. When the mountain rose up, they started talking to it. Who art thou, O great mountain? Amen. Before Zerubbabel, thou shalt become a plain. It wasn't a plain yet, but they begin to prophesy by faith. Oh, I'm telling somebody in the house today, you need to prophesy by faith. It may not look like it today, but don't sit there and just stare at the mountain and say, well, I guess this is the way it it's got to be. No, begin to open up your mouth and to prophesy to that thing that's in your path and say, oh, great mountain, be thou removed. Amen. Because you can't stay in the path of progress because God is for me and who can be against me? Grace, grace to you, oh, mountain. How are you going to do it, Zerubbabel? By your strength, by your army, by your workforce? Absolutely not. I'm going to say grace, grace to it. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I do know that God has this in control. It's going to become a plane. What looks like an insurmountable situation is going to be something you walk across. Hello. Amen. It's going to become a bridge. It's going to become a plane. All that material, you see these dirt piles out here? That's not just dirt that's for no reason. That's got a purpose. The dirt that's piled up today in just a few weeks is going to be in a hole somewhere, leveling the hole out. It looks big. It looks like a mountain. It, it would take a long time to deal with. Uh, but God says, oh, I got a purpose for that mountain. That mountain is only going to serve you to get to where I'm taking you. That opposition is only going to serve you to become a bridge to go where I'm going with you. Amen. So somebody in the Holy Ghost needs to rejoice that God has some supplies uh, that he's going to turn around for your good and use it to advance you in the kingdom. Yeah. The mountain says, hey, why don't you just give up? You've tried before. You failed. Just throw in the towel. But what your mountain doesn't realize is you've got more than just saving grace. You've got more than just justifying grace. Your walk with God has more than just teaching grace. You've got an enabling grace. 
race. It says it's going to take more than this to knock me out of the race. God is for me. Who can be against me? Enabling grace specializes in turning mountains into walking paths and thorns into rose bushes. Does anybody have enabling grace in the house? Does anybody need enabling grace in the house? 16 years since the foundation was laid. 16 years since, uh, amen, that the project had begun. You talk about frustration, but it's just a great reminder that God never starts anything. He doesn't have the power to finish. I don't care how long it's been or how, op, uh, how much opposition you felt. Uh, God says to you, amen, I have never abandoned the project. I've never abandoned your life. I've never abandoned your calling. I've never abandoned what I've got to do with you. He that began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Uh, he is going to bring it to pass, amen, in his time. The question is, will he find someone who will hold on until he makes a way where there seems to be no way? Every situation has a set time, and some of you have been holding on. You're looking at a frustrating mountain that seems God has started, but it looks incomplete, and it feels abandoned. But the prophet came to Zerubbabel in his most discouraging moment and said, Thus saith the word of the Lord. Begin again, Zerubbabel. It's time to begin again. In other words, he said, pick up that headstone. Amen. I know the foundation is just laid, but that headstone represents the finished product. Amen. And I want you to get a hold of the finished product in your mind and understand that I am God and I am for you and nothing that is against you is going to prosper. And I'm going to tell you today, begin again. Begin to hold on to hope again. Begin to pick up the future. Begin to pick up what I'm doing. Begin to Take it and go. Try again, Zerubbabel. Believe again, Zerubbabel. Hope again, Zerubbabel. Pray again, Zerubbabel. Praise again, Zerubbabel. Yeah. God's going to finish what he started. Hello. Prophet. The angel said to Zerubbabel, get the headstone. The headstone is the final piece, the signified completion of the project. It's set when they cut the ribbon. When they set the headstone, everyone cheers. But there's a whole lot of junk between the footers and the headstone. And God says, I've got the junk, Zerubbabel. they had the foundation or the beginning, he got a mountain of problems staring him in the face. All the raw building materials, but nothing happened for 16 years. Go get the headstone, Zerubbabel. Put it on the building site. But don't just put it there. He said, I want you to say something to it. I want you to say grace, grace. You know why it was very vitally important that Zerubbabel uttered those words is because you get what you speak. And he said, you, you need to shout grace, grace. In other words, it's not by might, 
nor by power, but it's going to be by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I'm giving you two words to speak to that situation. Grace, grace, enabling grace. God is going to enable you to set that headstone, Zerubbabel. All you've got to do is begin to speak to the finished product. Uh, amen. But the grace of God and the power of His Spirit uh, is enough to cause this thing to be finished. Uh, maybe you can relate with Zerubbabel this morning uh, and, and, and begin to pl- uh, uh, shout grace to something. Has anybody in the house got a situation that seems like uh, there's been a mountain of opposition? There's been some kind of interruption to where you're trying to go in God, some sort of thing? I got news for you. You need to pick up the finished product uh, of what God says he was going to do, and you need to begin to shout grace, grace to it. Uh, I don't know how it's going to work out. I don't know how God's going to bring it to pass, uh, but I'm saying grace, grace to this situation. Grace, grace to my family situation. Grace, grace to my financial situation. Grace, grace to my my relationship situation. Yeah. Well, this is foolish. I'm out here shouting grace, grace to a rock. Guess what? Sometimes God wants you to be a little Foolish. Hello. Grace, grace. My spouse won't even speak to me. Grace, grace. We're talking about layoffs and cutbacks at work. Grace, grace. I don't know how God's going to do it, but grace, grace to it. He didn't say whisper it. He said shout it. I wonder if there's anybody foolish enough to shout at a stone this morning. Anybody foolish enough to shout at the future? Shout at a situation? Shout by faith on the, just on the strength of the word of God? Anybody feel enabling grace rising up within your spirit? Uh, Not by might nor by power, but by his spirit. Uh, I don't care how impossible it looks. Uh, There's a grace in the house uh, that is enabling you to continue on in the face uh, of whatever mountain it is in front of you. Grace, grace, uh, the grace of God, the enabling help of the Holy Ghost is going to help me. Grace, grace, uh, grace. Oh, I know you feel a little foolish at first, but go ahead and keep shouting to it. Keep shouting to it. Uh, Keep believing the words that are coming out of your mouth. Uh, It's not by might. Uh, It's not by power. It's not by your strength, uh, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Grace, 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 grace. Don't have enough resources. Grace, grace. Grace, grace. The angel said, same hands that started it are going to be the same hands that finish it. Why? Because I am involved. And my grace is going to be sufficient. 
Don't despise the day of small things. God does his best work with small things. Don't let your mountain talk you out of your miracle. I said, don't let your mountain talk you out of your miracle. Don't let your mountain, don't let that thing that looks so big talk you out of something that's way bigger. Open your mouth and say to your mountain, grace, grace. I know I can't defeat you by my own strength and power, but I'm not fighting you by my strength and power. I'm fighting you by the grace of God, by the Spirit of God. I'm fighting you with the grace of God. And I don't care if it's been 16 years. You will become a plane. You will become a plane for me to walk across. You will become a bridge for me to get from one side to the other. Why? Because God said so. And I believe God. And I'm just going to rely on His grace to get me there and to get the job done. All of us have different mountains here since today. A mountain of addiction. Addiction is such a demonic thing because it is so deceiving. It does have power because we give it power. But it's not bigger than God. I still believe God can deliver anyone of anything if they have a desire to let God work it out. Amen. You've just got to come to God and say, God, it's bigger than me. I don't know how you're going to take this mountain out of my life, but I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to shout grace, grace to it. Alcohol, drugs, prescription meds, pornography. Oh, do you not know who you're talking to? You're talking to the church this morning. Yeah, I do know who I'm talking to. And things creep into our lives or stuff we really haven't ever cut ties with sometimes. And we carry it into the house of God. And we are, we've, we've experienced saving grace. And in God's eyes, we've experienced justified grace justifying grace. But we need some enabling grace to kick in. Which causes me to have the power to overcome whatever is trying to take me down. Amen. How do you defeat it? Grace. The grace of God. The Spirit of God. You'll never beat these things on your own, but grace is enough. I refuse to believe there's a mountain in this place that's too big for the grace of God to handle. Romans, Paul said, where sin abounds, what? What? Grace doth much more abound. Amen. So no matter how big it looks, there's a, there's a mountain bigger, and it's called the mountain of God's grace. The help of God. Somebody needs to shout grace, grace. Hey, not just a figure of speech, but it's the secret to living victorious. Hmm. My 
might get in trouble on this one. But too many of us think that we can somehow have enough strength to do things on our own. I'm not talking about being mamby-pamby and just... I'm talking about, though, when your strength ends. When your willpower ends, God's has to take over. God's grace has to kick in and make up the gap that you can't make up in your own flesh because this flesh is weak, it is fallen, it is full of lust, it's full of pride, and we need the help of God. I need the help of God every single day. I need the enabling grace of God every single day. Somebody's got to tap into power that's not yours today. All we've got, if we're relying on self, is a performance-based religiosity that's going to fail us every single time. But the sooner we begin to throw ourselves at the grace of God and walk into that throne room of grace every day and say, God, here I am again. I need your help. I need your strength. You know what some, some people need to do? You don't need... You don't need... Uh, well, you don't need it. <laughs> I tell you what we need. You need to get you a bottle of oil and walk through your house. You need, to, you need to walk through your house and begin to take authority over the house and say, the grace of God is going to rule in this house. The peace of God is going to rule in this home. I'm invoking the grace of God. I speak grace, grace to this home. I speak grace, grace over the pillow of my young person. I, I speak grace, grace over the pillow of my spouse. Uh, amen. I begin to anoint their shoes so that they'll begin to walk. Uh, amen. In a different direction. You say, oh, that's silly. Yep, it's silly, but it works. It's, it's shouting grace, grace to the impossibility, to the mountain. You don't need a meeting with HR. You need a meeting with Jesus. Yeah. Take you some oil in that house. In the, excuse me, in that office. You see, I'm old school. I, I just believe in God enough. To, I believe in His grace enough to change things. I've seen Him do too much. You've seen Him do too much. You've heard of how much he's able to do. Amen. He takes impossibilities. He takes mountains and he turns them around for his glory. He's able to do exceeding abundantly above all we ask or think. And grace picks up where your ability leaves off. Can we stand in the house today? Somebody needs to shout grace, grace to a situation. Amen. I just wish we'd do it for 30 seconds. Amen. Would you just begin to shout it out? Amen. Shout it out. Grace, grace. Hallelujah. Grace, grace. I shout grace, grace to every mountain in this place.
every mountain in your situation, everything that opposes you in the name of Jesus. I speak grace, uh, grace to it, uh, the grace of God, the enabling power of God. God, your grace is the difference maker, Lord. Your grace is the strength we need. Your grace is what's going to lift us up when we feel like throwing in the towel. It's the grace of God. It's the strength of God that comes and offsets the thorn in our life. It comes and offsets the difficult place. It comes and offsets the mountain we're facing. Grace, grace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pick up the headstone. Don't lay the headstone down. Pick up the headstone. The headstone represents hope. It represents faith. It represents uh, your eye is on the finished product. 